Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. I want to, I want to make sure some of you are new to church, I want to make sure you're in the right church. Can I do that? Can I just make sure, we'll just make sure some of this is your first, second week, still trying to decide this is going to be your church, make sure you're in the right church. How many of you are enjoy, enjoying right now being in Philadelphia, being a sports fan? Why, why are you, ex- why? Because we're doing what? <laughs> yeah. So let me just, this, this, this is it. So I'm not going to judge you, I'm not going to ask you if you like Phillies or the Eagles, and we already established that many times. If, if you don't, this, this is probably going to be a hard church for you to be in, and so... Um, but let's just, beyond that, both of our campuses, in that, in that understanding, we like winning, okay? How many of you love to win? How many of you love to win? Put your hand up if you love to win. You only got you. Okay, some of you, some of you don't. I get it. Grew up in the world. Nobody wins. Everybody gets a trophy. All that stuff. This is not going to be the church for you. I love to win. And who loves to win? Okay. So, other question is, how many of you hate to lose? Now here's how, okay. How many of you hate to lose more than you like to win? <laughs> Me, right? That's how you know. I absolutely, I love winning. What I, what I hate more than that, I, I hate to lose almost more than I like to win. I hate losing. I hate losing. Anybody else hate losing? Come on, let me, this, okay, this next, this, that, this next sermon series, you're going, you're going to love if you hate losing. If you don't care, if you're like a no scoreboard person, if you're like, hey, they turn the scoreboard off when they're running it up, that's not fair, right? If, if you're like, you know, we should, everybody should just play for fun and all that stuff, this sermon series is not going to hit home for you at all. In fact, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to be like, you're kind of too serious, making a big deal about nothing. You're kind of on my nerves, talking about winning. I just want to kind of chill, right? If you just want to chill, you want to enjoy your life, you want to relax, you want to do all those things, this next sermon series is going to tick you off. Because the next sermon, this next is all about the fact that the church in America is losing. The church in, in America, we have the most resourced, um, well-educated, fanciest buildings, lights, best kids ministries, um, most comfortable seats. Uh, we had a food. We had we had somebody bring food to an eight o'clock service and tailgate today. We have coffee at the perfect temperature for you, right? It's we have all the most comfortable you could possibly be. Yet we're the only country in the world, one of the only countries in the world, maybe not the only one, where Christianity, where people that are choosing to follow Christ, where church growth, where it's, it's floundering. In fact, they, they've studied churches and they found out that uh, only 3.4% of church growth in America is actually growth. Um, they pulled all the money together. And so when somebody gets saved, the Bible says that you'll get saved and then you'll get, you know, your next step when you get saved, you'll get baptized, right? You guys know that? And so baptism is your next step after you give your life to Christ. Baptism is an important thing in the church. You, you should be seeing people get water baptized in your church, getting saved, getting baptized. That's what should be happening in your church consistently. 
If they take all of the money from all the churches in America and they pull it all together and they average out the cost per baptism in America, right now it costs $1.55 million per baptism. Now I don't want to put a price on it, but our baptistry was a couple thousand dollars and the water is free. So I want to, and some of you are like, well, maybe, maybe the world's just getting crazier and people aren't wanting Jesus. And, you know, the, and so here, here's, here's the thing, though. All over the world besides America, uh, people are finding Christ. Like since, since 1900, if you go around all of the world, like in 1900 in Latin America, there was 50,000 Protestants or people that confessed a relationship with Christ, have been baptized, not faith and works, just faith, right? And so 50,000 Protestants today, there's 64 million people that are following Christ. In Asia, uh, there was about 100 million around 1970. Today, there's 350 million followers of Christ. If you go to China, China's an awful country to live in as a believer. It's, it's illegal. And even though it's illegal, and even though it's awful, every day in China, 10,000 new people confess their relationship with Jesus. It's, it's only in, in, in America. You go to Africa, you go to every continent besides America. And here's the thing about it. We live in a world, we would often say, oh man, the world's getting what? The world's getting crazier. I don't know if you know that or not. If you're not a news person, you probably should turn it on right now. The world's getting, uh, and I'm, listen, I know, I've told you for years, when you start saying the world's getting crazy, you officially means you're old. Because they're old, old people. But like, I'm just telling you, I'm watching, I'm like, this world is getting crazier. And here's the problem in American church, we're getting lazier. The, the American church is getting lazier and lazier and lazier with, with their faith. We're getting less focused. Uh, we're getting less interested. In, we think the job of, our, of us as people is to come into a room and sit and listen to somebody talk to them. And edu we're getting educated followers of Christ that are doing very little with their faith. And so what I want to do is I want to teach you something that by the end of this series is going to be so foundational to our church. So some of our series are timely and, and, and important. And, you know, the AOK series, I feel like that was a timely message of hope, right? There's a lot of people people who called me or emailed me or talked to me and said, hey, this really helped me in this moment. As a church, this message series is one of the most important series that I'm ever going to preach. If we don't get this, we're not going anywhere as a church. And the Bible says without vision, people cast off restraint. And so I want to teach you a sermon series, and the title of it is a number. Everybody say 2819. Say 2819. One nine. By the time that I'm done this series, I want this number to be as synonymous as some of these numbers I'm going to show you on the screen, right? As soon as you see this number, 2819, I want you to think of what I'm going to talk to you about. Look, let me show you some numbers, like uh, this number. What do you think of when you see 1776? Yeah, America, right? America, right? America, right? 1776. Okay, here's another number. What do you think of when you see this? Help! So make sure you're awake. Help! Right? 911. Dial 911. You, you need help. Right? Here's another number. Uh, what do you think it is? What do you think it is? That's like a bad number. Right? You're like, can we show that in church? Yep. We're doing it. Right? And so, 666. Right? Some of you get that in your, on your thing. It'll be like this $6.66. You're like, I'm going to take a back of Tic Tacs then. Right? That's not going to be my number. Right? 
Some of you are like, oh, oh, end times people, you're finding 666 everywhere, right? And so I think it's too easy, right? And so 666, okay, here's another number. What number, who, who, what's this? Right? Somebody in first service, the, the Christian people, they were like, Psalms. And I was like, stop, man. I'm not even going to say nothing. That's not what you think of when you think of that, right? Right? What do you think of, right? Jordan, don't say LeBron. Somebody said LeBron. I'm like, no, no. Right? Fake news. You think of Michael Jordan. Here's another number. Here's another number. What do you think of? Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh. Right? Right? You just see it. And so, okay, two, eight. One nine. I want to teach you this number. I want, look, when, we, when we're done this sermon series, I want tattoos. I, I, I want you to write it down. I want it places in our church. I want this to be something that we legitimate. You know how Christians are. They just get tattoos for nothing, right? And so put this tattoo on you, right? You're like, hey, that's the Trinity. I'm like, explain it. I don't know. It's just the Trinity, right? It's, a, it's in a matrix or something like that. And so, right? And so 2819. Here, here's what's, I'm going to teach you this, this, this command of Christ. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. In fact, it's some of the last words Jesus says before he ascends to heaven. So he, if you're, not, if you're new to church, uh, we believe Jesus died on a cross. Um, he rose from the dead. He reappeared to the same people that ran from him when he was dying. He said, I'm back. And then he gave them a mission. And he said, hey, until I come back again, I want you to, I want you to do this. This, this is what I'm going to teach you. And here's what's, what's sad about this. What I'm about to teach you, some of Jesus' last words... And they've studied it, and they said only about 17% of the church actually knows it. What's even sadder is only 3% of the church actually follows it. 17% know it. That means 83% of you are like, I, I know 867, right? But I don't know what you're talking about with this, right? And then only 3% of us, so if there's a couple hundred people in here, only six of us, only nine of us are actually doing the one thing that Jesus told us to do. And so I want to take you in to Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19. Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. What you say with your last words is probably pretty important. Would you agree with me? Okay, it's probably something he wants them to remember. So he tells them, Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, therefore, everybody say the word therefore. Therefore. I love that word because I think it's one of the greatest... um, struggles of the church that's a great question what are we there for you ever ask yourself that sometimes I wonder I'm a pastor and I think to myself what am I what am I here for what are we doing this is what we do we follow Christ we come into this room we sing a couple songs dude yells at us drink a coffee and leave this is it Sit by people we don't know. You're sitting by somebody. They're really in your personal space right now. Let's be honest. Is this what we're there for? I think that, church, that, that can fix churches all across America that are struggling right now. What are, we, what are we there for? So Jesus lets us know in this passage what we're here for, what, why, why he started the church. He says, therefore, and then he uses this word. It's really important. What does he say? Everybody say what that word says. Can you see it? Now, some of you, when you think of church, you think of something you what? You attend, you come to. In fact, you tell people, come to church with me tomorrow. The church is more than just something you come to. He says, therefore, as the church, go 
and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is just somebody who's learning and understanding the message, the gospel, the teachings of Christ. Go and tell people about me, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And verse number 20 says, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very, what does that word say? Everybody, can you see that word? He says, you're therefore, here's why you're here, you're, you're here to go into the world, whatever your world is, and preach the gospel. And I want you to do this until I come back. I don't know if you know Bible prophecy, but eventually Jesus is going to come back. And if you're living right, right now, you might want to educate yourself on it because stuff is hitting the fan. Like you, you should be educated on what's going on slightly over in the Middle East. There's some crazy stuff going on. I don't want to scare you. I don't want to get a trumpet out and make you think the rapture's coming. But the Bible says there's going to be signs of the time. But until that time comes, to the very end, what does Jesus want us to do? Go. And here's the thing about it. If that time's coming, we better wake up. There should be a, a holy movement in our church that starts to, to move us to back, to back to the main thing, the main, keeping the main thing, the, the main thing, Matthew 28, 19. I need to go into all of the world and preach the, the gospel. What, why? Because if we don't go, the world won't know. If, if we don't move, the world won't know. Some of you go, no, in, in America, you know, people know about Jesus and people know about this and we're pretty good people and we're pretty happy people. And here's the thing about America. America is the fourth most unreached people group in the world right now. That means that in 1980, 65% of missionaries, a missionary is somebody who says, I'm going to go somewhere and tell somebody about Jesus. I'll go wherever, right? I used to tell God, I'll go to, I'll go to Hawaii. I'll, 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 hey, that looks good. I'll go there, right? Maybe Australia for a little bit, right? But there's people who actually live in America, and they say, I feel called to go to the Middle East to preach to the 99.9% .9 Muslim population. They can't even tell people they're Christians. There's normal American, Americans. And in 1980, of the missionaries who went all across the world, 65% of them came from America. Now, 65% of the missionaries that go across the world, they come to America. We're, we're losing. There's over 200 million unchurched people in America right now. Some people say 9 out of 10 people don't have a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says if we don't tell people, they will know. In fact, watch what it says in Romans 10. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. See, the biggest problem in the church world is that we don't share. And what's weird is I'm a parent of 16 years. That's been the biggest fight in my house. The biggest fight is trying to get them to do what? Share. The biggest problem about being a pastor is bringing people into your room and say, hey, let's leave this place and let's do what with this? Let's share the message. If it's that good, other people need to know about it. We can't keep this to ourselves. But the truth is there's so many reasons we don't. We're too busy. We're way too busy to share the gospel. Uh, we're kind of embarrassed. Like we're a little embarrassed. We, we don't know what to say. We're going to work on that. Uh, we don't know any non-Christians. Man, that's a travesty, by the way. If the only people you know are Christians, your life sucks. 
I'm just telling you, if you only hang out with people that go to church, if you only associate with Christians, if you only hang out in the aquarium and you're not fishing, you are completely missing the gospel of Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? You just jump into the waters. It's a perfect 88 degrees, right? All the fish swim in the same direction. When you get tired of that aquarium, you just jump into the next one, right? We don't have time. We're too busy. Uh, We don't think it's our job. We're too lazy. I love this one. We don't want to be pushy. So I don't know how many millennials we have here. I don't even know what generation we're on now. But apparently I've been making fun of millennials and I just squeaked my way in there, right? And so just barely. If you just ask millennials about sharing their faith, 50% of my age age group says that's not our job. We don't want to be pushy. We don't want to share our beliefs. Here's the problem with that. Jesus is not your belief. Jesus is truth. Like, that's the problem with so many people. Like, I don't want to push my beliefs. As if you believing in Jesus has verified if he's true or not. You know how Christians do that? I love it. It's one of my favorite conversations. They'll be like, hey, did you see Justin Bieber's a Christian now? Did you hear Kanye West? He made a Christian album. Did you see Kat Von D? She got baptized. He's a Christian. I always think to myself, as if Jesus is in heaven going, okay, now I'm verifiably true because a celebrity believes in me. Truth is true. It's not a belief. Your beliefs are, I like oils. I like this kind of, I like that. Like, we we are tired of your beliefs. Keep it to yourself. (laughs) Like, nobody asked you for those, right? Like, you know how people do. I'm just networking, right? And so, no, you're annoying, right? (laughs) But truth is different. Truth is truth. It doesn't matter what you feel like. It's just true. Jesus is either truth. He says he's true. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets back to the Father except through me. The problem is so many times we're not only too busy, we're not only, you know, embarrassed, we don't want to be too pushy. Some of us is we just don't even think it's necessary if we're honest. What's the big deal? Why do I got to share my faith? Is it necessary? Here's here's what happens. Um, Ignorance of the gospel leads to a lack of urgency. Leads to, and so like, I don't know if you ever experienced something like that, but like, uh, I remember I was thinking about it years ago. I lived in a townhouse and I had, I had little kids. I had an eight year old, I had a six year old, I had a two year old. And so sometimes I would just say to my eight and six year old, Can you go upstairs and watch your brother? I remember one time in our townhouse, we were just on the second floor, and so I said, Hey, take your brother upstairs and can you play with him? Can you entertain him? And can you, and, and so they took him upstairs and you could hear him and then it got quiet. You have little kids and it gets quiet, you're in trouble. It got quiet. And then it was kind of quiet, and then, I, and then all of a sudden I started hearing my tutor. I started hearing, ah! He started screaming. And so I heard him screaming, and I ran up the stairs. And when I ran up the stairs, when he was screaming, my urgency changed. I turned the corner, and out of the corner of my, my I, I saw my two-year-old. And what he had done is he had left the, the care of his eight- and six-year-old brothers. They're so bad at babysitters. And went into his own room and crawled up under his dresser. And so the dresser was higher on the sides than it was in the front. Crawled under his dresser and tried to exit. Went to the side, enter, exit through the front, and his head got stuck. And he was two, and he did not know how to go backwards because two-year-olds never go backwards, right? And so how many of you know when I heard him screaming and I turned the corner, I wasn't like, oh, buddy, what'd you do? Come this way. First thing I did is I said, thank God Leah's not here, right? And so, and then I went and I picked up the front of it and I pulled him out and I picked him up and I said, buddy, you're fine. You're fine. Don't tell your mom. You're fine, right? 
It changed my earth. And so I guess, I guess if, you, if you wanted to know what the goal of today's message is, and really for the next, I don't know how I'm going to do this till we get this. Because honestly, there was a time in our church where we just fired these messages off consistently because we needed to reach people to have a church. And we don't need to do that anymore. We could just stay here, be comfortable. I told you, you guys can just keep making babies, and by sheer reproduction, we are growing. <laughs> it's true. But I don't know about you. That's not what we're here for. We don't get this part of it. All this is silly. None of this makes sense. It doesn't make sense getting up and walking, walking people into the church that don't know Jesus. Just walk, we're just up here walking people in. Same people. You know, you know where to go? Have I showed you the bathroom yet? Parking people, watching the same kids. Who wants to watch the same kids and journey kids every week? You don't even hardly want to hang out with your kids every week. preaching to the same people, sharing the same stories every week. If we don't get this, none of this makes sense. But the reason we don't get it is because we have a lack of urgency. And so what I want to do is I want to create a sense of urgency through a deeper understanding of the gospel today. And here's why. I think a lot of Christians don't know the gospel. I think a lot of us know Jesus. We know church. We, we like music. We We'll even serve, but we don't actually know what the gospel teaches. If you don't know what the gospel teaches, you'll stay ignorant to the fact of how important it is for other people to know and experience the gospel. In fact, Paul says this. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, 15, he says, For what I received, I passed on as of first importance. There's other important things. But this is the most important, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. And so let me just give you a few thoughts on why the message of Jesus is so important. I'll call them three truths, which is weird because there's rarely anything else in the world where you could say this is true for everybody. Like if I said, everybody likes pizza, there's one weird person here that says, I don't like pizza. I disagree with that. Right? It's very rare you can say, here's three things that are true of everyone on this earth, every continent, every people group, every nationality, every person on this earth. I'm going to give you three truths about them, three truths about ourselves. Number one is this, first truth, everyone, everybody say the word everyone. How often do your kids use the word everyone and it's not everyone? Like my, my oldest son has still his braces, right? And we're straightening out his teeth for the rest of his life, and they're on a little too long. And he said to me, he said, everyone has their braces off already. And I said, everyone? Because if somebody tells me everyone, that's a challenge. And so I saw this, this kid on the football team, and I said, how old are you? He said, I'm in 11th grade. And I said, can you smile at me? Not in an awkward way. You just... <laughs> and he had braces. So I went home, and I told my son not Everyone, I like to win. <laughs> and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something that's, that it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what, what you, like this is, this is what the Bible teaches. Everyone, everybody say the word everyone, everyone. has, don't say that, you don't gotta say, has sinned. Everyone 
everyone, 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 everyone. So I want you to think about these people. So I want you to think about the really bad people. You're like, yeah, they sin. The bad people. The, the people in the Middle East, the bad people, right? The, the Republicans, the bad people, right? They say, <laughs> Democrats, right? The bad people. The people I don't like. Yeah, they, they, okay, you're, you're right. They've sinned. Okay, everyone. Okay, now I want you to think about, now I want you to tell them, but your mom and your dad. Your best friends, the really good people, like people that, like, you're, you're, you're an influencer, your top fan that likes everything you do. Probably also your mom, right? And so, like, it's, right? <laughs> everything you do. Like, they, they're such an encouragement to you. Wherever you go, they're, they're, like, great. Like, you think, when you think of a great person, like, a, like an accomplished person, a kind person, you got all those people in your head. Everybody got those? Like, we all got them. We got people we love. We got people we hate. Let's just be honest in here. We got people that we have no problem being like, yeah, they sinned. Every person that you come into contact with is on the same level field according to scripture. Everyone has sinned. Just so you know that I'm telling the truth, here's what Romans chapter 3 says. Now this is, this is, this dude who writes this, he is an ex-murderer turned missionary. So he understands this. But he's been around people. And here's what he says. He says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Some of you coming from Catholic faith, like, that's not what they taught me. Right? There was no one righteous, not even one. There was no one who understands. There was no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There was no one who does good, not even one. Then he goes on to break it, break it down. You find yourself in here. He says, the throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. When's the last time you lied about your weight? How many times have you added statistics to your, 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 your sports accomplishments, right? You caught that three-inch bass. It's now three feet. World record. Killed a 19-point buck this year. I mean, we, we all practice deceit, the Bible says. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed innocent blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse number 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every person you come into contact with, every situation, every upbringing, no matter what, all of us have sinned. There's not good and bad people on this earth. There's just bad people. You look in the mirror and you see evil. All of us have sinned. All of us. I mean, like, I don't know if I've ever sinned. Okay, let's just do what Jesus did, because he was like, okay, where do I start, right? He was like, okay, um, I know you talk about murder. You're like, yeah, I never did that. Yeah. He was like, okay, well, if you think hate in your heart towards somebody, that's like murdering. When you're like, well, how, what, what is hate? Is it like dislike, strong dislike? What is hate, right? What does that look like? If you hate them, right? If you're mad at them, if you're angry at them, if you're bitter at them, bitter at them, if you wish they would die, let's just be honest, we get there. If you're disgusted by them, if you see them in a, in a grocery store and you don't go down the same aisle as them, I am an expert at that. <laughs> you, you've sinned. Then he's like, oh, yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I've actually qualified for that, right? 
So they're like, oh, he's like, okay, uh, you're not supposed to commit adultery. Like, yeah, we never done that, right? I never, never committed adultery. He's like, okay, um, well, if you've looked at a woman or man, whatever, lustfully in your heart, it's like committing adultery. Everybody's listening is like, how much does the spirit know actually of my head? Can he read my thoughts, right? He just starts breaking it down. Gives us the Ten Commandments. Talks about honoring our mother and father. Um, talks about not coveting. Coveting means you see something somebody else has and you want it. <laughs> I do that every day. Give me five minutes. Let me get my phone out. The Bible says the law is given to us not so that we can try to follow it. It's given to us so it can reflect our broken nature and we understand that we need a savior. All of us, everyone has sinned. And I know that feels very, like, that feels really, today feels really judgy, Pastor. It feels like you're just getting in my business more than you're supposed to. Right? And I just want to, I started thinking about that. There was this one time I ate the spinach salad. Spinach is from Satan. (laughs) And I ate this spinach salad. And, you know, spinach has a tendency to stick to your teeth. I ate the spinach salad. I remember being around people I thought were my friends. And I spent hours walking around. I had this piece of spinach right here on my teeth. Looked like I had a missing tooth. I talked to people. I think I met with somebody. I walked around. I probably made fun of somebody. Why? Because I just, that's just me. And so, and the entire time I had spinach in my teeth, finally somebody that was actually my friend came up to me and saw me. And they said, hey, hey man, uh, you got something in your tooth right there. And I was like, I hate every person, right? If my fly is down, I want to know. Just look at me. That's weird, right? And so if I got something in my teeth, tell me. If my hair's sticking up in the back, lick your, and put it down, right? Like, be my friend, right? In that situation, where's the real love? Love is in the person willing to be truthful with you. You imagine if I was like, I'm really mad. You told me I have a piece of spinach in my teeth. It's not true. I'm just telling you the truth of your life, whether you like it or not. You are a raging professional expert sinner. Every one of us is. You're like, you're, how, are you pastor? Absolutely. Come hang out with me for a couple hours. We all sin. We all sin. Everybody say the word everyone again. Yeah. Everyone. There you go. Number two. Um, sin separates us from God. Everyone sins. Here's where it gets serious. That is the the revelation, the truth. Everyone sins. And then for me to give you good news, I got to first give you bad news. Because you sin, because I sin, sin separates us from God. The Bible says in Romans 6, the wages of our sin is death. The the wages of our sin is death. Can I just get a little bit more truthful with you so like I was 18 years old and I was playing soccer and I went up to head the ball and I I had this dude's head instead that's why I don't play soccer anymore I missed the ball and my nose I felt it it just turned my nose is big enough when I look and it's straight kind of I can see it anybody else have a nose like that that's how you know you have a big nose right I can look down I see it right there it is and so I I, I came out the field I was bleeding and uh, my nose was pushed over. I looked down, I couldn't see it anymore. It's a true story. I went up to my coach and I was like, hey, I, I think I hurt my nose. I can't see it, it's bleeding. 
And I said, how bad is it? And uh, my coach loved me enough. Here's what he did. He went. <laughs> he didn't go, it's fine. It's, it's, you know. He looked at it. He was like, dude, it's bad. I was like, what should I do? He's like, I was like, I want to keep playing. We're in the playoffs. And it's, you know, don't, don't get impressed by that. I went to a little Christian school. And so everybody made the playoffs. And so I was in the playoffs, but it was my senior year. And I was like, I want to keep playing. He was like, well, we, we, can, we can put it back into place. And so he just, he just took it and he just racked it back into place. Yeah, I'm like Kobe. And so he just right back into place, right? That doesn't even fit in my sermon. I just wanted you to be impressed with how tough I was, right? But he was so honest with me. And I, I just, like, I want to just get a little bit more honest with you. Because it's one thing to say everybody has sinned. Yeah. But I want to tell you the seriousness of your sin. The seriousness of, an, of sin, of unrepented, I'm going to do me, I'm going to control my own life, I'm going to follow my own path, right? Uh, and you have every right, we have free will to do that. The seriousness of your sin is your sin separates you from God. And here's the thing about it. It separates you from God now, but when you take your last breath here and you go to eternity, when you don't know Jesus and you don't have a relationship with God through his son, your sin not only separates you from God now, it separates you from God forever. Like, I hate when people are like, oh, they're probably in a better place. I'm like, what the crap is that? You cannot pay me enough money at a funeral to tell the family members there that, that I don't know if they're, they're, their father or their mother, they've never even been in church, don't know Jesus, got baptized when they were three months old at a church, never been back, don't have any relationship, don't have any fruit, don't have any knowledge of the, of, to, to tell them, well, they're probably in a better place because they owned a Mustang. And they, and, 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 and they were really into their flower collection. And they, yeah, they're probably, you couldn't pay me enough, enough thing to lie to somebody. There's only two options. The Bible teaches it. You know Christ, you have an opportunity to spend eternity with him in perfection. You don't know Christ, you haven't said yes to his plan of salvation. The Bible says when your heart stops beating, that you spend eternity away from, away from God. And I, listen, I get it, it sounds harsh. I started thinking about that whole concept and I, I, I went into our cleaning thing and I, uh, I got some toilet cleaner. It's not used, I just spilled some of my water in there. And so, um, this toilet cleaner, it even smells good. It smells like you could drink it. it. Smells like Prime, you ever smell Prime? It smells like something you shouldn't be drinking, right? But on the back of this toilet cleaner, it has these, these, uh, these dangers on it, right? Real small. They make it really small to make it seem harmless. Church does that a lot. We fit this in, right? Oh, yeah, by the way, your sin sends you to hell. Let me also give you three steps to a happy life. And I, I guess I just want to focus on it more. But, but the Bible says uh, danger, or this says danger corrosive causes irreversible eye damage in small print, by the way. Irreversible eye damage, um, skin burns, harmful if swallowed, do not get in eyes or skin or clothing. I like this. Wear protective eyewear and goggles. That's getting a little carried away from me. <laughs> Wash thoroughly with soap and water after handling and before eating, drinking, or chewing gum. Using tobacco and, or using the toilet. I don't know why that's in there, but that's there. <laughs> Wash your hands after you use the toilet. They're just being stupid, right? right? It says, remove and wash contaminating clothing. Uh, do not breathe vapors or fumes. Keep out of reach of children, right? This stuff is, is, 
dangerous. Anybody else? They got some danger on them. But what if I was like, you know what? I just don't want to offend my children with that. And so I just got my little Sharpie out and I was just like, I was just, I just scribbled out that one section. I'm like, nah. And I just put, okay. <laughs> Does it make what's in here any less toxic? What, what if I, uh, what if I was like, you know what, I just, I, don't, I, I know they really like it. I don't want them to, I don't want them to uh, be without it. So I just, just put a little bit, just watered it down a little bit. This, I mean, this legitimately smells like something I could drink. And I was like, you know what? You guys really like blue flavored prime. Mm, this smells like prime. You should smell this. I wish you could smell this. Only a little bit in here. I just watered it down. Does it make it any less toxic? Hey, I'm, I'm sorry you live in a church culture where we're watering it down. I'm sorry you come into church and you are allowed, allowed to believe that uh, you can follow Jesus half-heartedly and still go to heaven. I'm sorry about that. I, I, I'm sorry that you uh, don't get a clear message um, that how serious sin is. I'm sorry we've tried to scribble parts out to make it less toxic in the hopes that the church wouldn't die because that's what we've done. We go, well, people don't want to come, so let's, let's quiet the danger side stuff down so that people want to come into church. Meanwhile, the church in America is dying. I'm sorry that we've over, we've over, or detailed this. I'm sorry that we haven't simplified the message. Let me just, can I just give you the simple message? Everyone sins. And sin separates you from, from God. That's what the Bible says. In fact, if you can read in Revelation how scary that hell is, right? And I don't, I'm not one of those pastors where I'm like, I can't wait to talk about hell. It keeps me up at night. It, 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 may, it makes me want to work harder. It makes me want to dream bigger and think more about what we do. But watch what the Bible says in Revelation 14. It, it's this, 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 describing hell, it says, And the smoke of their torment will rise forever. And ever. And then I, I, I always go back to, to this, this Old Testament book, Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet, and uh, anytime God gave words to prophets, they, oh, it was always hard to say it because nobody wanted to hear it. And uh, we're, we're supposed to be a prophetic voice to this, to this world as Christians. That's what we're supposed to be. And he, he tells Ezekiel, gives him this really hard word, right? Because evangelism or sharing your faith is hard. I know that. But what's more difficult than, than sharing your faith is watching a family member die and not know Jesus and go to hell. That, that's even worse. And here's what he says. He says, son of man, I've made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. He says, when I say to the wicked, you're a wicked person, you're surely going to die. And you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person dies for their sin. And watch what he says. And I'm going to hold you accountable for their blood. In other words, wake up. Everyone sins. Sin separates and sends people to hell. Let me just give you one more thought. You're like, this sermon sucks. <laughs> I invited this person. He's usually funny. He's scaring them. <laughs> and I just... <laughs> I just want to bring it back to the good part. Because you can't have, you, listen, you can't have good news without bad news. Right? Jesus coming and dying on the cross for nothing is silly. 
So when you understand the extent of sin and what sin does in somebody's life, then you will greatly appreciate what Jesus did to get back to you. Because number three, it's only through Jesus that our sins are paid for and we are reconciled to God. Watch what it says in Acts 4. Salvation is found in no one else. Everybody say the word no one else. It's important. This is not religion. This is not religion. Religion is what's happening all over the world. Islam is religion. You die to earn God's love. Buddhism is religion. Mormonism is religion. Catholicism. It's religion. A relationship with Jesus Christ is not religion. Here's religion. Religion says you're broke. You are probably not going to be liked by this God. So you have to do certain things and God will take you back. That's religion. If you do enough, God will take you back. Here's, here, here's, here's Jesus. You've done everything wrong. Everything. You've messed up. You've failed. You've made a complete mess. You, you're a sinner. You're broken. You're lost. You're angry. You're abusive. You're a murderer. You're a glutton. You're, 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 you, you, you lust. You st- everything. Man, you are so messed up. And while you were still a sinner, Jesus Christ stepped out of eternity. He was born of a virgin as a baby. He lived on this earth 33 years. They put him on trial. They hated him. They put him on a cross. He said, I'm not going to this cross against my will. I'm laying down my life for people. When he died for that cross, he, on that cross, he shed his blood. His blood was a payment or an atonement for our sins. Paid the price in full. In fact, he said on the cross, some of his last words, he said these words. He said, it is finished. This is not a religious moment where, okay, I'm dying and now you have to do things to get back to me. This is what you do. You come to me. You put your faith in me. You see the work that I did. He died on the cross. Then the Bible says he was placed in a tomb and on the third day he rose in power and it's through him. When you put your faith in him, when you receive the grace of God that you become a brand new person. It's only through Jesus. What are we doing? Do you really think we live in a country that's moved away from their need for Christ? Look around, man. You live in the most medicated, anxiety-ridden, sleepless, worried, confused culture that has ever existed. Why are we quiet when we have the thing that could help them? We're so medicated that they did a study down on the Gulf of, uh, of, of Florida, uh, the, the, the Florida International. They're, 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 they did research, and they, they were researching fish. And they found in fish all over Florida, we are so medicated, we have so much anxiety medication, depressive medication, all these things, that even our fish are medicated in America. And you think you don't have the answer to that? Wake up. Some of you waiting around for somebody else to come. Wake up. Those neighbors, those coworkers, those family members, wake up. You have what they need. There's only one way back to God through Jesus Christ. And it's beautiful what he does. I've learned a lot about the gospel in my time of being a parent. So like uh, when they're singing that song, that song, that last song about how God doesn't get tired of us, That's such a mind-blowing thought um, because I'm an earthly father and I absolutely disagree with that message. (laughs) I got teenagers. I'm tired daily of them. So I'm learning the gospel. Like God's like, well, that's not how you should act. And I'm like, well, then you need to fix me, God, or them, right? 
When I was little, I really saw the gospel all the time uh, with my kids. And so I remember one time I was at the King of Prussia Mall, and uh, God revealed this moment. I've never forgotten it of, of what happens in the gospel, this kind of you come to God, you're dirty, you're messed up, and God gives you a new life through his son, Jesus Christ. And so I was at the King of Prussia Mall. I've shared this story if you've been at Journey before, but I've never forgotten it. So my kids are probably eight, six, and Harrison, he's close to two. He's still in diapers. He's, you know, in that cute phase where uh, he's, he's getting older, uh, but we're in that transition phase where you're, you're bringing a, like a diaper bag, but you're not bringing as much, you know what I'm talking about? And so we were almost out of the age where you leave the house and you bring a change of clothes. If you're a parent, you know why you bring a change of clothes. And so, so I'm not sure what happened. I don't know if we were being, being you know, taking a chance, but we left the house, went to Kingdom Prussian Mall. We didn't have a change of clothes. We went to the food court, and uh, we sat Harrison in a high chair. That's how little he was. My two older boys were there. We went and got food. We brought it back. We were getting ready to eat, and I saw his face start to change. You know what I'm talking about if you have, like, a toddler? Started getting red. He was sitting in a chair, and I was like, oh, no. And he just kind of, right? And he, and he starts going to the bathroom right there in the middle of the food court. It smells awful. And uh, comes up. Uh, he's sitting, so it's like Plato pushes up his back, all the way up his back, through, I'm not lying to you, through the back of his shirt, falls out to the front of his shirt, in the middle of food court. I'm petrified. So all of us were like, this is an emergency. We pick him up. We run to the family bathroom. We, we sit him on the, you know, on the changing area. We don't have anything to change him into, and we just look at him. I'm like, I don't know what to do. So my wife's like, we're going to stay in here, and you, you go down to the, uh, find some clothes for him. We're in the mall. It should be easy for you, right? And so I closed the door. I started running. The first store I could find was a, a Foot Locker, <laughs> right? My kids didn't go to Foot Locker. We didn't shop. We went to Ross, TJ Maxx, Burlington Co. Factory, right, places like that. So I went to there, and I, I was like, yeah, hey, I need some baby clothes. I need something. What do you got? And they had, right behind the counter, they had this uh, 2T. I remember, like, Jordan outfit. $55. I, I was like, they're in the bathroom at this point. I'm running all over the place. I don't know where else to go. I was like, do you have anything else? They're like, no. It was so bad. It was so bad, y'all. I went to pay. I looked down. I had some of his stuff on my hand. Right? I was just... So I just got it, and I ran. I promise you, I ran, I ran, I ran. I got in. We, we put, put him in the clothes. I remember like it was yesterday. Put him in the clothes. He's standing there. We got pictures of it still. And he got, he's standing there, and uh, we get him all dressed up. And we, we, have, we have shopping to do, right? And so we're not leaving. And so we just spend $55, and we got this outfit now. You got to wear this. And so he gets it on, and he's barely, like he's walking, and he's, you know, he's, he's almost two. But you can see his whole demeanor change. And like he was strutting around the wall. The wall. Like, you know what I mean? Like just strutting around the mall in his Jordan outfit. And I remember walking behind him thinking, this is the gospel. You ruined your crappy outfit, no pun intended. And your father and mother paid the price, took your sin upon us, ran, upgraded your, your, your outfit, and now you get to walk in this self-righteous attitude around the mall. God said, that's the gospel. What are you embarrassed of? Why do we act like, hey, man, you follow God. It's so tough. No, it's tough either way. It's really tough when you don't have a relationship with the creator. Why do we act like, oh, if you follow God, he has a lot of rules. He has rules or he has protection. He has mercies. He has guidance. 
He has direction for your life. Why are you ever ashamed of the gospel? It's the first thing in your life that changed you. Man, I need to share this with everyone. That's the gospel. I know it's, it's rude. I know it's harsh. I know maybe you're not used to it at this church. I got to apologize to you for that because, man, uh, 10 years ago, this is all I did. This is all I did because I was so worried. And then even for me, you get older, you get a little bit more mature, you enjoy a little bit more people not getting mad at you because you're calling them sinners, right? It's a little softer, you get a little, you move a little slower, your hair gets a little grayer, you start thinning, right? And like, you just, you just kind of get it. But I got, I got to go back, 28, 19. Therefore, this, this is what we are there for. This is it. Until the very end of the age, what are we supposed to do? Go and tell people about a God that loves them enough to die on the cross for their sins. While they were still far from him, he was thinking of them. He wants to change them. He wants to save them. He wants to heal them. He wants to redeem them. He wants to give them purpose. There is nothing better. Why am I ashamed? There is nothing better than having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Would you stand to your feet? And would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to do two things. First thing is uh, when I pray, I want to ignite something in our church. I want you to gather information right now. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to focus. I want you to re-identify people in your life. Some of you, um, you've you've identified them as good people, so it's kept you from having to share the gospel. I had one one, one, uh, woman come to me and said, pray for me. I'm leaving and I'm going home to share the gospel with my husband. She said, pray for me. I'm going to go share. I I just, I don't know, did something in me. More of that, God. Pray for me. I'm going to my school to share the gospel. Pray for me. I'm going back to my home to share the gospel. Holy Spirit, give me the right words. I need to share the gospel. I'm going out to eat today. Let me share the gospel. Man, I just want God to ignite something in our church. I want you to look around. If you've got a seat beside you, that's a missed opportunity. I want him just to do in our church what he wants to do, man. He wants to seek and save the lost. The Bible says he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. We are a church all about the one. God, would you do something? God, would you ignite a faith? God, would you make this real to us? If this is not real, if this is just a game, if it's just a hobby, God, would you kill that in us? There is life and death on the line. Wake your church up. He's going to do something. And then some of you in this place, and when I talk about the gospel, um, honestly, you say, man, I don't, I don't know that. The response, by the way, to the gospel, it says if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he came, that he died for your sins, that he was placed in a tomb and that he rose in power and you believe that it's through him that you have sin forgiven and you have the promise of eternity. And when you put your faith in that, when you call on his name, you confess and you believe, the Bible says you shall be saved. Somebody say, how do I know that I've been saved? Your life has changed. It's changing. When you mess up, you feel conviction. Some of you living in sin right now and you think you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's impossible. I guarantee you, he's convicting you. He's telling you he got better for you. If you don't feel that, it's because you're not in a real relationship with Jesus. 
So maybe you wake up today yourself. We can't change the message. If we change the message, we take away the power. I feel like the apostles here today. And somebody come and say, hey, can you have anything for me? I need, some, I need some money. I need something. And they say, we don't have anything with us. But what we can give you is Jesus. There's nothing else that I can give you here today that's more important than Jesus. He will meet you. He will heal you. He will change you. He will set you free. He has good plans for your life. He's not tired of you. I don't know if you've noticed every song that we sang today was a proclamation of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's not far from you. He's closer than you can imagine. He's knocking at the door of your heart. Today's my day. I'm a sinner. I know my sin has separated me from God. And I believe the only way back to him is through Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't even fully comprehend it right now. But you can feel God knocking at the door of your heart right now. One yes changes everything. Today, Jesus, I give you my life. Maybe for the very first time, maybe, maybe for the first time ever where you're actually not playing games. You are so sick and tired of being a religious person that floats in and floats out of church occasionally. And today is going to be your day. You're going to fully follow Jesus Christ all over this house in Montgomeryville. Watching online, you would say, that's me. I, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Today I'm going to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. The Word of God has pierced my soul right now. It's doing something in me that I've never experienced before. Today is my day. All over this house, if you would say that to me, every head bowed and every eye closed in Montgomeryville, you would say that to me. I'm going to confess with my mouth, and I'm going to believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. We're going to pray together all over this house. I want you to remember this moment. I want this to be a day that changes everything else. So I'm going to ask you to do something on the count of three. I know that's old school. I'm not going to try to manipulate you, but I don't want to keep this going. I need Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I, I need to follow him from this day forward all over our houses. If that's you, would you begin? One, two, three. Shoot your hand straight up in the air. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and, and my Savior. I need him to heal me. I need him to forgive me. I need him to set me free. If you're in Montgomeryville and you say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know Jesus, but I need to. Would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven? Uh, maybe you're online. I, don't, I forget to do this week in and week out, but maybe you're watching. Uh, you're right there in your living room. You just type in the chat. I need to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to pray together as we close. And as we pray, as we pray, I want, you to, I want you to see your life. I want you to see those people. I, I, I want you to ask the Spirit of God to ignite something in your soul. And I want, I, I want, listen, I want God to move so mightily in our church in this season. I want us to be a church that has a sense of urgency and specific calling on, on our lives. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the person in Montgomeryville who's responded to the gospel. Yes, Lord. All over this house, let's pray together. Say, Jesus Christ, today I put my life and my faith in you. From this day forward, you can have control. I know you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. And because of you, I'm a different person. And as we proclaim and celebrate and stand on that truth, Holy Spirit, very specifically, would you move in this place from the very young to the very old, to the, from the new Christian to the one that's been a Christian for, I know what it's like to be a Christian for years and forget this. 
And so, Lord, would you ignite something in this church that is so life-changing? It's going to start with us, but, Lord, what happens here does not stay here. Lord, there's going to be change in our neighborhoods, in our families, in, in, in our workplaces, in our schools, on our sports teams, everywhere we go. Lord, even in restaurants that we eat at, Lord, gas stations that we get gas at, Lord, everywhere we go. When we visit doctor's offices, when we go see the mechanic, Lord, everywhere we go. Lord, we're going to remember Matthew 28, 19. We're on mission. That's what we're here for. Lord, thank you in advance. Lord, thank you right now. Specifically, every seat in this place that's empty, it represents somebody. It represents somebody that needs to know you. And so we leave this place and we say, let's go. Let's go. We're ready to go. Use our lives. Send us, Lord. Work through us. Thank you for what you're going to accomplish through a focused church. Lord, we're going to be a focused church. You need this church for such a time as this. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all that you've done here today. In Jesus' name we pray. All over our houses, would you shout amen? amen. Would you clap your hands with me? Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.